0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Today is Friday. It's the 20th of November, 2015. Before we jump into the show today, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact me, there's a couple of different ways that you can do so. I have a voicemail, which is 206-745-2731, 206-745-2731. If you would like to record audio or send in an email, my email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Over on the website, I have Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube buttons uh, if you want to check those out. All right, now that that is out of the way, on the show today... I had a conversation uh, with Tim Crosno, and he recently completed the Rifle Dynamics AK Builder class, and this is headed up by Jim Fuller, and that's his company. Uh, Jim is probably uh, one of the top AK Builders probably in the world today, and so I wanted to kind of get the, uh, Tim's experience with that and kind of and, and get his opinions on what happened. Also, at the end of our conversation, uh, I will play an interview that Tim did with Jim. He was kind enough to go ahead and do that, and, uh, and Jim was kind enough to uh, agree to be, to be interviewed. So again, Tim, thanks for doing that. And also, Jim, if you hear this, thanks for uh, doing the interview with Tim and being part of the show. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in with Tim and I's conversation. Hey everybody, on the show today we've got Tim Crosno, and Tim is a uh, listener, and he had written in a while back, and I don't know if you guys remember, but I had read out his email about he was going to go to Las Vegas uh, in Nevada and do an AK Build class. And so through some of our correspondence, he had said that you know he'd be willing to come on the show and sort of talk about his experience and how that went for him. So Tim, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, how you doing, Tony?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. Now I was curious, I I think I had seen on, on one of your Facebook posts, something that when you, or maybe it was in the email that you sent or something, you had said that you hadn't really had any experience or you hadn't owned an AK and maybe I'm remembering it wrong.
1: Uh, Yeah. I, I, I I don't think I said that. What, cause I've, I've had a couple, I've actually got a, the first one i ever bought was a was a vepper 308 which i really love and that one's going to stay in my my arsenal but i had an io uh, ak which has been getting a lot of bad press lately and I, I, I actually sold that to to make up for some money to go to the class so i've i really am uh, getting into those a lot but uh, i did own i did own a couple before i went
0: okay yeah and so what was kind of your your motivation to go to the class and do the build as opposed to let's say um maybe just ordering one from him or or uh maybe going up there and doing a training with him and then buying a rifle at the time
1: well when when you first start out with AKs you, you know it's like any other weapons platform or system you're you're trying to get out there and you do your web research into them to try to find out you know how to make them better, or you know what what could go wrong with them. Kind of the things that uh, everyone else does with their with their pistols and rifles. And uh, <clears throat> I did have an issue with my with my Vepper. I was replacing the trigger, and I had to do some kind of uh, home gunsmithing on that trigger to get it to work. And so, you know, over the course of time, I, I realized that Jim Fuller and Rifle Dynamics is one of the experts on uh things that you can do with your ak and he's on youtube and i was looking at all his youtube posts and it was pretty incredible some of the stuff he he would put out there you know the little just small stuff like the the toolkit that comes with it and just how useful that thing is and um you know i found out he did a rifle builder class and i said you know what that would be outstanding to learn how to fix my rifle if nothing else and it, you know, over the course of about two years, I, it, you know, I saw the price of it, and I was like, oh man, this, I, it, it just seemed like an excessive amount of money.
0: Yeah, yeah, To
1: spend on that course, and but it was it was on my bucket list. I said, you know what, if I if I ever scrape together enough money to take this course, I'm gonna do it. I, it just sounds like a good time. And then my wife. Uh, my wife came up and said, "You know, I got to go to Las Vegas for a conference." And I said, "Oh man, you know, because I'm not really a gambler. Yeah, I really, really like you to come." And I said, uh, "Okay, I'll, I'll I'll see if there's anything for me to do." First place I went was Rifle Dynamics to check to see if they had a course because they're so sporadic.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it was it was tough to tell. And sure enough, the same exact weekend she had her conference, uh, Jim had a course. And you know, it was one of those deals where you walk into your wife, and you say. Um. what would you say if I went to a rifle building course? And it's always the question of, well, how much is it going to cost? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I said, uh, I said, well, you know, I am turning 50. So I, I I had an ace in the hole there. I said, I am turning 50 this year. So or actually in January, so you could make it an early birthday present, and you know, a pretty significant one. And I uh, kind of softened her up, up a little bit. And she said, okay, you know, and, that's when I just pulled the trigger and I said, fine, I'm taking it.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, we're pretty much the same age then. I'm 49. My birthday's uh-uh, okay. is My birthday's and I just turned 49 this August, so. Ah. Uh. And I'll hit the big 5 uh, <laughs> coming up here pretty soon, so. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing um, with me. I had wanted to do that. At first, I thought, well, I'll, do the, I'll maybe go and do the builder class. And then... He had kind of come out uh, with, oh, what is it? It's the the rifle stock adapter, and he had done some other things yeah. on there where he had done, I think it's the, um, if I'm saying the right, the 90-degree uh, gas block.
1: Gas block, yeah. He's got that, too.
0: And I didn't, now, we'll kind of jump around here a little bit, but... So I had seen a lot of those improvements that he had done and he had put out. And I had sort of done the same thing, had looked at uh, some of the YouTube videos and seen some of the stuff that he had put out. And then I also noticed that a lot of the other people that were in the industry, so the big kind of the trainers, everybody respected the guy. Everybody, you know, um, (coughs) thought he was one of the best builders out there. And he was one of the few guys that actually understood why certain things were done and yes. in, in watching, you know, some interviews and things with him, you know, he talked about, Oh, well they use, uh, like lead rivets as opposed to stainless steel or something because the lead expands and contracts and blah blah, blah right. you know, and just little things like that, that you would right. think, you know, unless you had really sat down and really tried to study the gun, uh, and, and everything about it that you just wouldn't know. You wouldn't really think, well, why would that make any, any difference at all? But then once he says it, you're like, Oh yeah, well, of course that makes sense. That's logical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had bought my, I have an AK and I had bought it from a local guy. I'm at, uh, out here in Arizona, as most people know, and I had bought it. Oh, this was, must've been in 2000, maybe 2007, 2006, something like that. Maybe, maybe it was, I can't remember when I, when I actually bought it and I bought it again from kind of a local builder. Now at that time, you know, that's almost 10 years ago right about eight years ago so there really wasn't as big a presence on youtube and there and and you kind of went by forums but forums were so well everybody was pretty much just full of shit so you could never tell <laughs> you could never tell who you know who knew anything or who didn't and yeah. then if somebody got i, I remember that for a while the big thing was if somebody was saying well you know, I think A, B, and C, and then somebody says, "Well, wait a minute, that that doesn't work." Right. And because they were on a forum, then that person who said, "Well, I think A, B, and C," would always come back and say, "Well, I'm law enforcement, or I'm former military, and this is what we did." And of course, there was no way to ever vet any of that. But that was sort of okay. like the standard comeback, no matter what kind of BS. And then when somebody would say, "Well, wh- who do you work for?" and then they'd say, "Well, for you know, OPSEC, I can't divulge that." And <laughs> You know, so it was this all this wild stuff. So, anyway, I went and uh bought it from like a guy who was a local builder, and uh, I had checked around as much as I could, and he seemed to have a pretty good reputation. Uh, But again, I didn't know anything, I didn't know anything about AKs. Uh, I knew I liked them, I thought they were cool, uh, and I and everybody seemed to at the time. Uh, the consensus was that they're extremely reliable, they're extremely robust, and that's just sort of the uh, the, the basic design of it yeah. makes it to where it works. And I went down and met the guy, and, and he seemed like a decent enough guy. And at the time, I think I paid maybe $600 or something for it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact price. Uh, but at that time, you could buy a, a regular AK kind of off the shelf for around, you know, uh maybe about four hundred bucks. So I was right. I was ended up paying a couple hundred dollars more and I thought, well, you know, it'll be a a custom build and this, that, and the other thing. Anyway, I got the ended up getting the rifle and it's it's decent, but it's knowing what I know now, it's nowhere near the quality of of some of the other guys. So so some I think uh is it Krebs is a
1: who's an A yeah, they're they're also a custom maker.
0: Um it was nowhere near that. It was nowhere it be nowhere near anything, uh, from rifle dynamics at Jim dead. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking kind of like you, I was thinking, well, boy, I'd like to have, I'd like to have, um, a high quality AK, something that's sort of been vetted that can, uh, and not that I'm going to kick down doors or going to be in the zombie apocalypse or anything, but you know, if you can get something that's high quality, and that's built to last and just, and this has a lot of thought that goes into the design of it. Why not? Yeah. You know, if you can afford it, if you can, if you can do that. So, um, I'm probably going to have to put, I think I've talked about it on the show before, but I'm going to have to put a couple of my rifles <laughs> sort of up on the auction block uh-huh. to go do that. Now, getting back to the whole thing about going to the class, I had thought about doing that and then I saw that it's the 702, I think is the number um, that he has, which is their 7.62 by 39. Right. Um, and I liked that because it had that. It, it's got like the different uh, muzzle brake on there. It's got the different gas block. It's got.
1: Yeah, uh, I know which the, one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the adapter. Uh,
0: and it also comes with a. Um, I think it's system. Let me look it up here. Okay. okay yeah. System Bravo stock. Actually, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure who they are or anything, but anyway, once you have the adapter and the the tube on there, you can pretty much put anything on there that you want. Yeah. And right now, if you go to the website, that rifle, the RD 702, the one that I would want sells for about $2,200. Yeah. And the class I looked, it looks like they've got one coming up in February is actually 1900. Yep. So it's not that much more. And so I thought, well, if, if I go and do the build, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't think you get, or, and and this is something I wanted to ask you, is there an option to put like the regular, I mean the, the, um, the 90 degree glass block and to do the, to do the uh, other stuff or does he have you build basically this is sort of the stock AK and this would be like the closest that you could get to for lack of a better term, like the Russian design, the original Russian design.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what he does. He, uh, what he does is he gets bulk like Bulgarian kits and, uh, the, the higher quality kits that, that they're, that they, uh, feel that are, that are, uh, worth building. And, um, what they'll do is, at least for the, if you're talking the AK-47, they had basically run-of-the-mill stock and, and four, 4 end kits, which uh, were, were kind of beat up, but they, you know, he said you can change these if you want to, or you can refinish them and make them look authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the gas block was concerned, the, the AK-47 still had that slanted gas block, yeah. like like they were designed to do and the AK74s I built one of those it was actually a 90 degree but it wasn't it wasn't that uh that qual- that that high end one that he puts on like the 702 you're talking about it yeah. was the kit it was the kit 90 degree because the 70 the, the 72s they started putting in the 90 degree 90 degree gas block because it, it, they just they just didn't see any any uh any advantage to the slant at all in fact the slant would make an, an oval hole hole so um the kit the, or the the class makes you a stock ak-47 or ak-74 okay and um it essentially steps you through it the right way to do it and they they pre-build the barrel uh, the front end so the the front end is built uh the the front sight is put on there already the gas the gas uh, uh, block is put on there already Um, and also the uh, um, the front sight block is already put on there already okay meaning or the rear sight block so all that stuff you don't have to you don't have to worry about the main reason is he said look if if we had you put in all this stuff on the barrel this probably be a five-day course yeah, um,
0: so so he's got yeah. that he so he's got that stuff on there, and then like yes. that rear trunnion, I guess I'm not, I don't know if the correct you term put
1: is. in you put in both trunnions. Okay, okay, okay. yeah.
0: You said that he uses a, like a Bulgarian kit or a comparable, you know, high yeah. quality uh, kit. Correct. My on my AK, I had, and I can't remember, for the life of me, I can't remember. It's like NDS or something like that, but which is an American-made. Um, basically just blank receiver mm-hmm. that my guy ended up using. And then he ended right. up on mine using like a, uh, a Romanian barrel. Um, and, um, uh, and I think I'm pretty sure it's Romanian cause it's got like a G stamped on it. And then it was kind of, like I said, a little bit of Frankenstein put together. Um, right. So I, I, think, you know, there's, there's different parts. So with him, with that kit and you were talking about the barrel, is he using anything that's American-made? Because he, I, I, I thought yeah, I,
1: uh... he has to. Okay. Um, because the what is it? The R five twenty-two. I believe that's the yeah, number.
0: The, yeah, something like that to make the it compliance. compliant. Compliance.
1: Yeah. Um, and he, he, he will sit in class and go through the parts of the AK that they use to make it compliant. Um, I, you know, there's there's a certain number. I believe it's. Uh, you know, six U.S. parts that have to be on it.
0: Yeah, um, it's something uh, like I can't. Yeah, something like six exactly. or nine or something like that. Right. And then right.
1: But and he goes through what counts and what doesn't count. But the main thing to note is that the the receiver is American made, and it's a good one. And they make sure it's heat treated correctly mm. because uh, a lot of the American made ones they only use the ones from the companies. And he he ratted off a couple of companies that. Uh, I hadn't really heard of that make good receivers. and um, reason I don't know them right off the bat is because once you become uh, an alumni, you get to be on their special Facebook website and you can ask those questions. Mm. Um, but the receiver was American made, um, and the barrel was American made, I know, which are the the two really important components. now the 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 trunnions were forged, and they're not from America. So, um, but they are forged, they're not cast. And that's a, one of the big differences between some of the cheaper manufacturers and the, and the good manufacturers.
0: Yeah. And I guess the, I guess the forging process makes, is makes a difference in how the, uh, in a layman's Sprint. terms and how like the carbons and the atoms align as opposed to being cast yeah. that the pounding of it, even if it's yeah. on one of those big giant presses,
1: Right, it's why it's it's why you always want a cold hammer forged barrel if you can yeah. find one. But yeah. they don't they don't have really any AKs right now that they're they're barrels that are any good. So he said, "No, this is not a cold hammer forged barrel, but it is a really good barrel." Now and he goes, "If you shoot it out, send it back. You go to the head of the line, and we'll replace your barrel." Yeah. You know. Otherwise, you're waiting six to eight months to get something done on your AK.
0: Yeah, does and he was so he was saying there are no American companies that are making barrels for the AKs right now.
1: Well, no, or- no, I take that back. He he said that they didn't have them cold hammered forged. Ah, uh, okay. Yes, they the ones that they use were not. I, I believe he didn't really have a good confidence in in the ones that are cold that are cold hammer forged that are made in the states. Um, but, uh, we didn't have a cold hammer forged barrel, but the barrel I believe was nitrided or was chromed. So, um, uh, I can't re- remember if it's black nitrided or, or a cold ham- or uh, chromed, but, um, either way he said, uh, he said, we, we buy you a very quality barrel. I know one class he had green mountain. We didn't have green mountain this time. I can't remember what he said we had this time, but. They always have a very quality barrel because by the time you leave that class, you have to remember that when they get those receivers, they stamp that that guardian angel on that receiver, so it is basically a transfer from it is a rifle dynamics rifle. They don't let them leave that shop without them being right yeah, yeah yeah
0: i i'm I'm kind of surprised with the with the popularity of the platform now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that was another thing when I first bought mine and that was only just, you know, a a few years ago. Well, I guess it's been closer to almost 10, but back then it was sort of kind of like a fringe rifle or a fringe platform, but it's really gained a lot of popularity. And so, you know, you see companies like Magpul, you see companies, um, oh, and I can't remember there's, but there's a, a couple others that are actually starting to make, you know aftermarket parts and things like that for for the AK. So I'm surprised that there's not a, a quality rifle rifle barrel maker out there or one of the bigger companies like a Daniel Defense or something that, right, that would say right. like. And I well, I'm sure it's much more complicated <laughs> than I think it is. Well,
1: it, it it may be, but um, you know, you got to remember that right now a lot of those manufacturers are turning out AR-15 barrels like crazy. Yeah, they're making yeah. more money on that, but but i guarantee you that since magpul started making furniture for those rifles you're going to see that that's going to be the next evolution
0: yeah yeah
1: and i know there's some now somebody somebody's going to ride in and say i know this company makes cold hammer forged barrel and they may but again we're talking about is it up to the standards of rifle dynamics that's all i can say apparently yeah. not yeah. or apparently it was going to be you know a lot more money than than really needed to be spent on on a rifle building class
0: yeah, and it may be one of those kind of economies of scale. Like, yeah, you exactly. could get this, but your barrel would cost $500. Exactly. Or, you know, exactly. so something crazy. Did he did he give you any, like, esti- estimate as far as, like, when you would shoot out a barrel? And I guess I'm not 100% sure on when you shoot out a barrel exactly what that meant. Does it mean that you're just... You're losing some accuracy because the, the lands and grooves? Oh, no, and no, grooves. no. You,
1: you shoot out a barrel, it's like any gun. When you shoot out a barrel, a thing's going to start keyholing on you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You'll know it right away. I mean, it's going to keyhole. And he said, you're going to get easily fifteen to 20,000 rounds on this barrel. And if you shoot that out, he goes, we've got guns in here we've replaced five times. Yeah. Uh, because they've, they've put so many rounds down the, down the barrel. So it's it, it's not as simple to replace as an AR barrel. But again, you know, most of us are not going to shoot 15, 20,000 rounds out of our, out of our gun. If we do, you know, you, you obviously value it enough. You're going to send in and get it changed. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: And then like, does it make a difference too, like how, like the, uh, the volume of fire, I guess, let's say that you put down at one, at one setting. So let's say like, you know, like you'll see some of these guys that go on, on YouTube and they'll do like, you know, a a thousand round challenge or whatever, where they just burn through it as fast as they can. Is that going to, I would think, or, or is it well, not if, so much?
1: If you, if you use, you know, if you use your, your, you know, if you think about it logically, the more that barrel heats up, the next round that goes, that goes down, that barrel is probably going to retrieve is probably going to remove more material because it's hotter yeah, and it's going to be more pliant. Um, so yeah, you could literally put enough rounds down an AK with an auto that it would literally bend that barrel over. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you're you can do that. That's why, but with a semi-auto, I, you know, I I think I saw, I think I saw, Iraq veteran eighty-eight eighty-eight maybe do it. Yeah, uh, but it was it was a tough way to go, and it was a hard work to get it. To, did he get it to go there?
0: Yeah, and then uh, for but, for those of you guys that don't know that Iraq veteran eighty eight eighty eight is a guy he has on YouTube and that's his just, YouTube channel. So and he's the they I I have I think I've been subbed to him for a long time. <laughs> um, and uh, he he does like uh, quite a bit of neat videos. There's actually quite a few guys out there that uh, that do pretty good, really good jobs, really good filming things like that on uh, on YouTube that make me kind of jealous. I wish I could do as as good a filming as they do.
1: Yeah, they put a lot of money into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, just the ammo alone on some of those on some of those YouTube channels is crazy. Well, like when much,
1: you get up there, a lot of those YouTube channels get sponsored.
0: Yeah, Not, I know like Hickok yeah. and some of those other guys, like Hickok 45 and some of those other guys that get them, and I'm sure a lot of times they're doing it for that oh that uh eighty eight eighty eight is doing it for what's the what's the pawn shop moss? Moss some, pawn and gun. Yeah, pawn and gun. Yeah. So I'm sure they they're able to probably maybe even write
1: oh, some of sure. that stuff off. So they are making a lot of money off those videos, believe me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh yeah. So another question about kind of about the class. Um you've you've obviously had you know had some experience. Um and I I think you're former military.
1: Yes, um, I am. I'm I'm uh retired Air Force. Okay.
0: So you know, you had exposure to guns, but what about somebody who, I mean, do you think like somebody with my background, I think I would be able to pick up on it pretty quick.
1: Um, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. We had guys, the first thing he did when he came in at the, the class after we introduced ourselves, he goes say, okay, who's built guns before, whether it be AR. Well, first he went through who's built an AR before and pretty much, I guess 75% of the class raised their hands. Yeah. And when he asked who's built an AK before, I think it's one guy. Yeah. And then he asked who hasn't built anything before, and there were probably a handful of those guys in the class too. So it it was, and and you gotta understand they are, they are making sure you don't screw it up. Okay. Uh, it's it's basically a one on one deal where, when you press in the trunnions, you're sitting at the press. He's making sure everything's lined up, and he's telling you exactly how much pressure to put on it, when to let off. Um, they, one guy at a time goes to the press, and you're taking care of that. And uh, they they are, getting, you know, they're doing all the measurements for you and making sure everything's lined up. But they are showing you the tools that you need, and um, but they don't let you do it by yourself. That's it's not a it's not a uh, work at your own pace type deal.
0: Yeah, so it's not a deal where like there's, you know, five different presses, and they say, okay, you five guys come up and
1: just slap it in there, and yeah, no, no, No. because after he did it, I realized that it's not nearly as easy as it as some of the videos show it to be on on YouTube, and you know, he goes into that a little bit in in the interview about um, the fact that well, he actually said during a class, he goes, I will tell you right now, the ones who are using the bolt cutters. Because there's a bolt cutter,s you can replace the jaws on that with a with a with a uh, with a rivet press. He said you're going to get rivets that aren't pressed correctly, Man. and that's going to affect the 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 uh, reliability and the um, uh, long-term durability of your gun.
0: Let's talk a little bit about like the length of the class. So you, you went on, uh, like, a, like it started on a Friday, or when did it start for you, and when did it end?
1: Yeah, it, it started on Friday at 11 a.m., and um, on Friday, we pressed in the uh, front trunnion, and that was pretty much all we did that day besides uh, him going over the history of the AK, why things are put in the way they are, um, very specific uh, very good with taking questions he'll take any questions you have um the second day was a full eight to five day um that day by the time you got done with that day you were done with the gun yeah uh you pressed in your rear trunnion uh you pressed in the barrel uh you put in your trigger group and the cool thing is is when we put in our trigger groups, um, what comes with the kit is the Tapco G2 trigger, which is which is a really fine trigger for an AK. It's a lot better than the stock trigger. Um, but they also have a shop there, and they were selling the ALG AKT trigger, which is the Geisley. You know, ALG is uh, okay. um, the Geisley company that just started making AK triggers. So many of us bought the AKT trigger that they stopped the class and coached everybody through on putting that trigger in.
0: Okay.
1: So we we did that, and by the end of the day, we, we had a f- completed rifle ready to shoot. And uh, then on the third day, we were there at 8 a.m., we packed everything up, we went to the range, um, we burned them in, found out what was wrong with them. Um. And, uh, got to fire some automatic weapons Okay. and came back to the shop and fixed whatever was wrong with it. And you either left it there for them to ship out or you took it with you. And that was also an eight to five day. Okay.
0: When you, when you say like you burn them in, what's, what's kind of that process? Is that just, is that sort of like how you're, uh, like a break in period for the barrel, or is it just a, a process of okay, let's make sure like you're saying, let's see if anything is malfunctioning or anything isn't doesn't feel quite right?
1: It's it's kind of twofold. They wanna they they, they wanna break in because the barrel's never been shot and your your AK is completely dry. There's nothing on it, there's no no lubrication anywhere. And you take it out and you run a full thirty round mag through it as fast as you can possibly pull the trigger. Then when you take it back to the shop, you can fire it as much as you want the rest of that, you know, the morning. You're only there for the morning that you want to, but you also take mags and you can go play with their automatics and stuff. And uh, but when you get back to the when you back to the shop, then you open it up and you take a look at the inside of the gun and find out where the shiny parts are. That's where the stuff is. That's where your surfaces are raised, and you need to sand them down so we okay, anyone okay. who had a raised surface they went in they had to do a little more sanding on those areas but the rest of us made sure we sanded the rails and the other side of the bolt and the, and the uh you know the areas where we knew there was going to be um uh metal against metal you made sure that they were they were nice and sanded smooth uh because when you got the kit it was all anodized the whole thing so the rails weren't smooth and everything wasn't smooth but when you went out and shot it you could figure out what you needed yeah. to, what you needed to clean up
0: And then when you're doing that sanding are are you are you using like a like a wet dry sandpaper or just like a like 220 or what is it just like a what
1: You know I didn't look at the back of the sandpaper I should have done that but it was a it was a pink it was a fine grade it wasn't a real fine grade but it was a fine grade and, um, it was obviously a metal sandpaper. It wasn't a wood. It was a pink grade. It was pretty rough. It, 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 uh, but it wasn't, it it was probably in the 220 range, I would say.
0: Uh,
1: but it, uh, you sanded the rails, um, you sanded the underside of the bolt and that was about it. And then um, the bolt and the bolt carrier that is where, where it met the rails and that, and it slid across the, the hammer. Yeah. Um, and then you put a little lithium grease because he said, how do you, how do you lube an AK? And he heard a bunch of oils and he goes, absolutely not. You put lithium grease on it cause they run too hot.
0: Okay.
1: He said, AK will cook off oil really fast. So. Um, his, his recommendation, recommendation was white lithium grease that you can get at AutoZone or anywhere else that sells lithium grease.
0: And then did he have anything to say about, um, oh, there's that high temp lithium grease that Walmart sells. It's red. It's like a bearing
1: thing. Yeah. The the problem you have with that is like cold weather Mm. is when you get into, if you want an all weather, really lithium grease is, is pretty heavy duty. Uh, it will meet the requirements of an AK. You can use any of them. So if you're in a high temp area and you want to use red, he goes, you can use red. But if the temperature gets too low, it may gum up on you. Okay. So uh, he he really recommended the white. He said the gray is fine too, but the white's probably, the the white's the one they use. Okay.
0: Did he have, a, so he gives you sort of, okay, this is where you need to lube it, this is what you need to do. And then what are his recommendations as far as just like overall maintenance, like what do you need to do with it? And let's, let's say that if you're just kind of going out and shooting it regular, maybe you're uh, just to throw out a number, you're, you're, you're putting around maybe about like a hundred rounds a month through it or something like that.
1: Yeah. You could go a long way. I mean, they (laughs) realistically, you know, they are some, and I've seen videos on AKs where nobody's cleaned them ever and they still work. Yeah. But the thing you got to worry about with, um, um, Really, you don't. I mean, you, I would probably say no more than a thousand rounds before you before you clean it. But really, if you don't get to it, you you probably won't go wrong. But he did say the you know he's he's kind of he's kind of covering his ass. You you gotta be you gotta be somebody who cares about your rifles too. You know, yeah. be reasonable about it. um Even though even though a lot of the, the reason why a lot of the people in the and the uh, countries overseas carry it, carry it is to, one a it's it's available and b it it's it, it keeps running yeah so you, you could possibly you know run it without any lube in it I mean we did that day uh, it ran rough but you could run it so I would he he didn't really he said one to two thousand rounds he said is probably when when you need to clean it.
0: When he's talking about cleaning, is he talking about okay? Let's just take the gun down, do like a not necessarily a detail strip, but a pretty good field strip. Go through there, clean out the clean out like the gas block, clean out, you know, wipe out the receiver. Like does, does or is he just think ah, you know, just take that uh, your bolt out and kind of clean that out a little bit or?
1: Nah, I'd probably I probably wipe out the gas block, the gas tube too. You know, to pull it off. Uh, it's really easy. It's just a yeah. switch, a lever, pull it off, clean it out. You know, just just do some detailing. Uh, if if I'm gonna run a, a bore snake down it and and mess with the gas block, i you know, and the and the uh, the uh, bolt carrier and the bolt carrier uh, assembly, um, you might as well just detail what you can. I mean, you're mm-hmm. already inside of it. and That's all the stuff that's going to get dirty. So you do basically torn it down. Um, so at that point just check for any carbon anywhere else because carbon will fall off the bolt and into your mag mm. and that's the other thing you got to worry about is cleaning your mags because when that when that carbon falls off that bolt it's going to go right down into your mags
0: yeah yeah did he have now generally for me speaking of mags, I generally like uh, I generally will get like the old com block stuff.
1: yeah that's um, that's your best bet he and, said and get the metal. Yes, the metal he said the metal it, you know there's a few companies coming out with poly with metal inserts for the feed lips and the uh, and the uh, I guess the, the area where it latches on the back side
0: uh, um, yeah that little yeah
1: yeah that little that little that, tab
0: that, basically that
1: yeah the little tab back there. And he said those seem to be those seem to be working well, but you cannot go wrong with the old comblock stuff. All that stuff works really well. Yeah, uh,
0: I've had it, I've had Polish a, mags. I've had um, Hungarian. I bought a couple of uh, Hungarian. They'll call yeah. them like the tanker mags that are the 20 oh, rounders. Yeah. Um, I've got some Yugos. What I like about the Yugos is they've got the bolt hold open on the follower. Oh really? So that when you when you fire that last round, your bolt will stay open. Oh that's cool. But now of course when you when you eject the mag because it's holding on the actual follower, when you take the mag out, shoom, your bolt of course goes <laughs> forward. Um but it I guess in theory what it would do for you is it would it would let you know that it's oh your your uh, by a quick look, it's not a malfunction, it's right. just your rifle's empty. Empty and so you need to do a mag change that type of thing. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, that's a- It's a good idea. I've I've, they give you one of the plum mugs, the plum color or plum mags, one of the plum colored ones. Uh, I'm not sure where it was from, but it it's been heavily used. It's just a a good mag, the or the bakelite mags, um, any of the the circle ten stuff. That that's that's all good stuff.
0: Yeah, I've never I've thought about getting a couple of those, but they're about forty fifty (laughs) dollars.
1: Yeah, but uh, he said he said, look, he said it <laughs> don't skip on your mags with the AK. Yeah. that if you if you if you want your gun to work and work reliably, buy some good mags.
0: Yeah, the the most of the ones that like I said, most of the ones that I've bought have been the metal. They've been like the old uh old surplus stuff. Some right. of them have even been new. Yep. You know, they were unissued. Right. There was a thing and I I think I talked about it on one of the shows and I can't remember the name. It was like Mata or something like that. Or anyway, I, and they had done a video on YouTube and what it looked like it was, is it was over, uh, you know, somewhere in, in, in Europe somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it looked like that they had either found or had purchased some old equipment that, Maybe an old, uh, you know, some of the old Russian or maybe Chinese, probably more like a Russian, like one of the old con block countries yeah. uh, before the breakup. And it looks like they had found those and they'd kind of refurbished those machines. So they were using the machines and they, what they were saying was that these, these are basically like how the Russian ones were made. So oh, cool. they have all this stuff in the video. It shows them, they stamp out the following you know, and they, they basically are building them up kind of from scratch.
1: Well, the, what the reason why I said what I said was uh, there were a lot of us in the class that were building AK seventy fours. Oh, okay. And, and you can't find an AK seventy four good mag for less than forty two dollars. Mm. So that it really was kind. It was kind of talking to us because we were, you know, somebody was talking about that, and I said, you know what, I've I've seen too many, too many mags that that have gone wrong, like with my Vepr. You know, I couldn't find mags for it, and I finally had to buy the. There was only one company, and they were fifty bucks a piece, but I had Uh, to buy them. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. But they were good. They're good solid metal. They weigh a ton. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In fact, I'm looking it up here, uh, real quick. It was I wanted to see if they made seventy fours, but it looks like they only do the right. uh, The forty sevens, and it's uh, Matra. M a t r a. 30 oh. round steel magazines for seven, six, two by 39. Cool. Um, and those are right now $11. For yeah. Large.
1: You can, you can get 762s a lot. Cheaper yeah. And uh, the five, four, fives. Yeah.
0: And yeah, I had thought originally about maybe getting that, doing one in the five, four, five. Cause I thought, man, that would be a sweet little gun. It would have very low recoil or, or felt is. recoil, I guess is probably the proper term. But- um, but then I thought, well, the ammo with the 6.2, 7.6.2 is so prevalent. It's everywhere. Um,
1: well, I'll bought- tell you, I, I will tell you one thing. Take a look at gunbot.net and you'll see that the ammo price difference between the two isn't much. Mm, okay. It's just the availability at your local store. You won't find 545 at your local store. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never, I've never seen it even, you know, ever since I've started Uh, probably in the last five years i haven't seen five four five like it academy or something like that you know bass pro it's it's just something that they just don't carry that 762s you find everywhere yet gunbot.net is showing the prices to be somewhere between you know 21 and 23 cents around just like the 762s now yeah so you know i don't know what's going on there they must be you know, hoarding it for the mail order people. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Generally with ammo, pretty much now I'm almost exclusively mail order. Um, there's a, there's a couple of companies that I go through. You'll I'll, I'll save up or I'll wait. Um, and actually speaking a little bit of ammo, when I did my apple seed thing, when I took my AR on day two, uh, I was shooting that wolf gold, Right, it's actually pretty decent. Yep, um, it is. And uh I had bought, you know, I was able to buy a case of it on sale. I think I went through. uh I think it's S and G, which is out of Oklahoma. Right, I've heard um, of. them. And they usually uh, have have pretty good stuff. Of course, I uh, at least out here, down in the kind of in the Phoenix area, in the East Valley area and stuff, all all down through here. Twenty-two ammo, you still can't hardly find.
1: Yeah, uh, it's tough here too. I find it, I find it in single boxes at, at Academy, but um, at Walmart, whenever I drop by there, it's just useless going back to the case.
0: Yeah, I uh, I've found a couple of times um, after I would drop my daughter off at school, I would swing by before I'd go to the gym, and I'd whip into walmart that was on kind of on the way and because i was getting there earlier a couple of times i was able to get in and i actually got a couple of uh single boxes of the um cci mini mags
1: oh that's that's the good stuff
0: and uh yeah that is that is fantastic stuff and then um there's dick sporting goods out here and sometimes they'll have it and i i bought some of the i think i got a th- what i used at the um at the Appleseed, I think I used it was like a AR tactical. I'm not sure. I, I think it was by CCI. Uh, was who made it? But that, that was just sort of their branding of it. Yeah. And that ran really well too. It was just standard velocity. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't the uh, the pumped up stuff with the mini mags.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taking this AK to my next Appleseed. I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm actually a, an instructor in training with them. So.
0: Oh, okay, neat.
1: Every time I go there, I. I try to take a different weapon. I took my bolt action H seventeen HMR last time, so
0: Yeah, I was I came close to getting it, but not quite. And I, I actually <laughs> shot better, I think, my first day. I think the second day it started to get a little hot and I was tired. <laughs> but the best score I shot was I was so close I was two oh seven.
1: Well just don't get a two ten, that's all I gotta say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They'll throw water on me. <laughs>
1: At least you're in Arizona. We did it to a guy, to a couple of guys in Michigan. It was a little cold that morning, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's something I definitely, I definitely want to go back and uh, especially the first time I learned quite a bit. Uh, and so um, I'm going to wait. Of course, it started to finally cool down here. And so I'll probably sometime again in 2016, I'll go ahead and take one and see if I can't get that patch this go around. Uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, again, you know, kind of like how we had talked about before we started the show, you know, you just meet a lot of really just decent, nice people.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's great. I I love going to them. Um, I meet new people every time, and it's just I, I, it's just a lot of fun. And it's the it's the best two days of training you can get for sixty bucks.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that for that price. And then what's nice is usually, well, at least out here. The guy I was talking to said that they usually don't uh, they don't sell out. So you, you, you generally don't have 40 people or so that are there. Generally, it'd be like 15 to 20 people so that it's kind of a nice-sized group. And I think at ours we had maybe with myself included, I can't remember. I think it was like 15. Yeah, um, which was actually it was a really nice sized group. Yep. Um cuz you can sort of get some things done. There were still a little bit here and there that I would like to maybe have seen a little done a little bit differently and especially going as like a first time person. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there were a few little things that I would like to have seen done just a little bit differently. I'd like to have seen a little bit more of okay, this is, you know, everybody mount your sling and let's come and look at it and let's see, okay, we'll hold it this way or do this or do that or try and do that. And we didn't get as much of that. They kind of showed us, okay, here's, you know, they, they would say, well, here's how I do it and here's how you try and do it. And then we kind of went and did it and sort of adjusted it. But I would have liked for probably for me, uh, to had a little bit more of them kind of coming by and say, okay, we'll move that sling up a little bit or, or get your hand up a little bit more forward or, you know, just to, to really get you locked into that position and everything.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll find out that when you go to, if you go to a different um, a different apple seed, uh, not not the one you know a, to a different state or a different uh, even a different one in your own state that has a different group of people, you'll you'll find that they emphasize different things. Yeah, and the ones I'm at, they we're constantly roaming up and down the line. You know, here in here in Texas looking for that kind of thing and and the one thing you can't be shy about is is raising your hand and saying hey um, you know I need some help I need I need to you know I, I didn't quite understand this or that and if you're if you're um, somebody who's willing to raise your hand and say I need some help you'll get somebody real fast i mean they they have no problem helping they just they don't want to insert themselves when somebody doesn't want them to yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah yeah
0: yeah, in fact, I got an email, I read it out on a show or two ago, I can't remember, but anyway, it was, and I need to actually contact this guy and see if I can't get him to come on, but he is, uh, I guess, like the local coordinator or something
1: for yeah, out here. Yeah, it, well, Sticks is a state coordinator too, so, yeah. and, or uh, Tom, Tom, I don't know if you refer to him as Sticks or Tom, but he's also a Arkansas state coordinator. Yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, he was saying they're going to do stuff, they finally got enough people to do stuff up in Flagstaff. Um, oh, nice. Which is for people that don't know Flagstaff is in the Northern part of the state. Right. I'm down in the Southern part where it's, it's much warmer. Right. Um, Flagstaff is much higher in elevation. So they were, th- they thought, uh, and in some years it gets quite cold up there uh, not like Canada cold or even the higher <laughs> North, but they thought they may, it on, on certain times you would be able to qualify to get like a winter seed patch.
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Those are were, brutal. I've got one of those. That, <laughs> not, that was, that was not fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: They were also talking about maybe doing a, and I don't know what they would call it like a summer seed or something like that.
1: Uh, it's, it's called Inferno seed. Yeah.
0: So they were thinking they may, they might do that out here because even when I went um, and I think I went and did I go in April? Yeah. I think I went, yeah, I went in April. Um, the second day, it got pretty warm, and then even as the day would go by, the sun would get on there, and, and if you didn't cover up your gun, boy, it'd exactly. almost get too hot to touch. Right. And that was, you know, in April, so uh, they generally in the blistering heat of summer, I, they just don't get enough interest uh, out here because it's, you know, when it's 100 and right. even when it says it's 112, it's really probably when you're out there, it's probably... You know, more, uh, more. well, it can easily get up to like 115, but sometimes depending on your area, because they take the temperature out at the airport. Right. The area where you might be, if, if they're saying it's 112, it might be 118, you know, easily wow. where you are. Wow. And um, the worst I ever had it out here was the, they were saying, oh, we've got these record temps out here and it's like 122. Man. But at the time I was driving by and I, at the time my car was broke down. And I just had my motorcycle. Oh. And so I was driving on there and I drove by one of the banks and they had the little thing where it flashes the time and temperature. And uh-huh. the temperature said 125.
1: That's a dry heat though. Tony. Oh, geez. It was
0: so, I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't describe how hot it was. <laughs> um, and at the time I had a Harley and I was I was trying to come back, and I had and I was coming uh, home from from work, and uh, again, if, if somebody's relatively new to the podcast, at the time I was a juvenile probation officer, right. And so I had on, uh, oh, and I'd worn it purposely. I had on a, just a, a white t-shirt, not a, a white undershirt t-shirt, and then I had oh. a long sleeve white, uh, just dress shirt for work, right. And it was so hot that what I had to do was pull over. I had to exit the freeway cause I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand to, to be on the freeway anymore. I had to exit the freeway. I took off my shirt and my t-shirt. I found uh, like a fast food place, went in there and yeah. I soaked both of them, took the, the t-shirt, wrapped it around my head. Uh, cause out here you don't have to wear a helmet and then I wasn't wearing one. Uh, wrap that around my head, and then I would drive about a mile at a time, and repeat that process over and over and over again until I got home. Wow! It was so and and it was so hot that the 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 water after I soaked them after about oh a minute it was gone. Wow! It was completely dry. The, on on the on the handlebars. Yeah. The the wind was coming up, and it felt like somebody was sticking hot poker's under your fingernails. Wow!
1: Because that's,
0: that's why I had to exit the freeway because I, like I felt riding, like I couldn't like
1: riding in a blast furnace. Oh god!
0: It, that and like I've never, it's never, I've never been in that experience <laughs> that that was that bad. Um, now I don't know, I I I don't know if you had gone overseas or anything, but I I've heard stories of how just brutal hot it is over there.
1: Yeah, well, where I where I was at though in Afghanistan, it wasn't. It, it, I was in the mountains one time, and the other time I was in Bagram, and it, it really never did get that hot. But if you got down into the Kandahar area,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, it, I heard that it got pretty brutal down there. Mm. I'm just glad I it was never stationed down there.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's that. It's it's crazy what the weather can do. Yep, how, sure it how is. hot and then like you know you like a lot of our people we know from other podcasts and things that you know up in Canada or up in Michigan and those high north things
1: oh yeah you know, just the, yeah, they're, they're getting snow right now by the oh way gosh the crazy cold well in fact today
0: I thought we were gonna have like some cool weather finally yeah and then today it was almost 80 yeah so, and then a couple of days before it was something like it uh well at night in the evening um in the early mornings, it was like in the forties. Sure. And then two days later, it's like 80 and it's like, Oh, and then so that everything kind of starts to maybe bloom a little bit. And so the pollen count goes up, but you know, I think you said you're in Texas. So you guess you're, you're familiar with some of that stuff as well. Oh
1: Yeah. Yeah. Stuff still pollen still going everywhere unless it rains a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, let me get back to a couple more things about the, um, the rifle dynamics class. Sure. In your in your opinion, like what do you think well I don't know because I'm, I'm trying to decide and I I, I think for me I,
1: I think I know where you're going with this and it it's a tough decision but I, I ask if, if you listen to the interview, interview I asked I asked him that question yeah basically you know why should I spend nineteen hundred dollars in this class? when I can buy one of your rifles at least for $1,800. Yeah. Um, and after going through the class and listening to him explain it, I can tell you right now that when you get the rifle, that rifle that you get, even though it's bottom, it's a baseline rifle, if you think about it for a minute, that's what they start with anyway, is a baseline rifle. But the hour, I could see that the, the labor, you actually get to see the labor they put into those rifles. Every rifle is handmade, and every rivet is checked. If it's wrong, it's drilled out and redone until it's exactly perfect. They make sure every rivet is perfect on their rifle. They make sure that the front trunnion is aligned perfectly so that your barrel's not going to be crooked. Um, yeah, you they, don't have the cant
0: sight and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, they they are all over it, and you know when you think about that, the the rifle that you get out of there is probably worth somewhere between eleven and twelve hundred dollars, just from the labor and the materials that are in it. Um, you're talking about a seven hundred dollar class for three days. You don't even get a, a you don't even get it most um, uh, firearms training classes for three days for that much.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, you're, you're talking about most of them are what 400 for two days, maybe 600 for three if you're lucky. Um, so the the other the other 700 you're basically spending on learning how the rifle is put together, how it needs to be put together, how it works, and what you may need to do when you're troubleshooting problems. And that is huge. If you if you buy a lot of AKs, you might not buy one from Rifle Dynamics. If you buy one from another company, you could just take a look at that rifle and tell and pull it apart and tell why it's not functioning correctly.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, I would say if you're thinking about buying one, unless you're you've already got more, unless you're if you're especially if you're new, um, like I was, I, I certainly didn't know how they were put together. And it gives you a real good insight on – and he's also got a video you can get there that goes into more of the armorer side of things. But you see exactly how things are working, and that's your basis to start from. I think think it's a no-brainer, to be honest with you.
0: Okay. Because what I was thinking, too, is – and I'll have to sit down and kind of still do the math because what I was thinking was – Okay, if I, let's say if I do the class and then I were to replace the, you know, to uh, replace the stock and get the, because I don't really want the folding stock. I want the adjustable. Okay. For me, I like that. That's just something I prefer.
1: You can actually buy that, that, that uh, kit there. Yeah. Yeah while you're sitting there he's got them for sale
0: yeah so i was thinking well if i bought that and then i bought the the 90 degree gas block and i did you know this that and the other. so i you know i don't know it, it may be one of those it's i'm gonna have to do a lot of thinking back and forth on it because that 702 pretty much out of the box is it's, it's still going to have all that same quality Right. Like you were saying before,
1: exactly. it's got that rifle
0: exactly. dynamic stamp on it, sure. so you know everything is going to be a, to, as close to perfect as you can possibly get it. Oh, it will be. Um And you know all all that stuff. So, ah, uh, boy, I don't know. It's a tough one because for <laughs> because also for me, you know, it's it's also it's not just the cost of the class, right? But you have to get there and get back. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you have to eat while you're there. You have to have lodging while you're there. Um, so there are other expenses.
1: Yeah. And for me, that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. And and, and
0: you had a little bit of a different situation (laughs) because you know, you were going to sort of be there anyway. Sure. And and lodging and all that stuff, you know, was going to be uh, taken care of. So if you weren't doing the class, it's like, well,
1: I'm just going to be sitting there twiddling my thumbs. Yeah. Um,
0: So I, I don't know. I like, you know, I really like kind of the idea of having sort of that, um, out of the box, ready to go. And I know knowing what I know now, and especially after talking to you and, you know, after listening to some of the the interview that you did with him, which we will, we'll play after this. I'll, I'll put this in at the end of the show okay or put that in, excuse me, at the end of the show. Um, Boy, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, you know, And I'll, I'll tell you one thing, and I, I talked with a long time ago, I talked with Ken about it, and I think he and I went out and actually shot it when he was out here. I had bought the uh, SIG 556R. Right. Uh, and I got it used. I got it from a, 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 a gentleman out here. And then again, for, for some of you guys that are in different states, Arizona is one of the states where you can do private sales, meaning that uh, the way that the law is set up, is that as long as you don't have any reason to believe that the person you're either buying from or selling right. to is uh, a prohibited possessor, that everything is, is copacetic. Yeah, same here. Uh, most people out here, and most of the stuff that I've done when I've bought and sold stuff, uh, almost everybody is willing to sign at least a bill of sale most of the time. Yeah. Uh, what we'll do, all it, with the exception of one person, everybody that I've either bought or sold to has had a concealed carry permit
1: yeah that's what I did when I sold mine I made sure I said hey do you have a lease have a concealed carry mm-hmm. and he goes yeah I know by the way you know my wife who's buying this gun has it works for the sheriff's department she's got an ID from there too and I said okay sold yeah
0: and then generally a lot of times what you can do out here because there's there's on in, in the Arizona permit, there's not a lot of personal information, so it doesn't have your picture. It doesn't have your uh, address or anything like that. It, it's, right. uh, it it just has the identifying numbers that out here, which would be the state police or uh, Department of Public Safety. They're the people that sort of are in charge of that out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll either take that information down or pretty much everybody has a smartphone now. You just take a picture of it and then you can and you've got that guy's. Uh, identification again it's not none of the other information that is on there would be used for anything else right uh uh, you know it's very specific so uh, but getting back to that uh to that sig it's a really neat gun um it takes pretty much all the mags except for which i don't own but except for i guess the uh us palm their ak mag which huh. I kind of didn't like. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I didn't really, really like it because you can't take it apart.
1: Oh, um, okay. And I think He mentioned that in class. There was one that that you couldn't remove the bottom plate, and that's a big no-no.
0: Yeah, and then, then and then that's one of the things I was going to ask, but you had already kind of covered it when he was saying you've got to be able to get in there and clean those mags out.
1: Right, um, and that's not because they get dirty, he said. It's because that carbon yeah. will fall in there. Yeah. He said they opened one of the mags up, and I don't know if it was his or not. I just remember the the story about it. He goes, oh, yeah, it was one of theirs, one of their automatic mags that they were using. And he said, we couldn't figure out why it didn't work. We opened it up. And he goes, I kid you not, there was probably an inch and a half to two inches of carbon in the wow. bottom of it.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, you know, and that, that's, again, that's another thing. Like, you would think, well, you know, why is this happening? I don't understand. Or or Or, you know, you think. And that's something you're not going to get unless you go to kind of an expert guy, you know who even knows a little you know knows a lot about the mags and knows what's going on with that. Um, but yeah, but anyway. if you
1: if you buy a gun and you uh, one if you buy one from him and something goes wrong with it, you send it right back to him, they'll make it right. I oh, mean, yeah. it's not a problem. yeah, I mean, they they, um, you know, in a sense, you wouldn't really need to know what's going wrong with that gun. But if you bought some if you bought one from someone else, say, And you were doing your own troubleshooting on it, you probably have a better idea what was wrong with the gun if you went to that class.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as like how uh, the size of his operation, let's say, uh, a lot of times I think people. You know, you'll see, oh, this guy's you know, got a, a, an internet presence and, and you know, his, his website and this, that, and the other thing. And so, you know, he must be this huge company, but they're a relatively small company. And that's what well, I think really- a lot of people that are outside or, or are new to guns that don't understand is that a lot of the companies, even the ones that you would consider are big, are still relatively small when yeah. you compare it, to, you know, to something like a Starbucks or a, a Sears or something like that, that are these huge, gigantic monoliths.
1: Yeah, they have three adjacent uh how do I say them garage door type units yeah yeah uh in a strip mall type of thing um they they are they they have said that they are going to be moving but yeah when i walked in i was amazed it was that it was that small i i didn't know where in the world they could have put everything but yeah they managed to have it pretty well set up so but they're, they're they are crammed in there
0: and then about how I mean I don't know if you would know or even paid attention to it about how many people does he got working for him or did he cover any of that or you say you know we've got X amount or right
1: from what I saw and don't hold me to this Jim will probably Jim will probably uh, chime in on this guy I got to tell him when you're releasing this oh, okay but uh, <laughs> it it looked like to me it was probably no more than about a. I'm guessing a 20 person operation.
0: Yeah. That's a pretty good size though. Still. I mean, for a small business, you know,
1: that's, and it may not even be that big. I mean, it's, it's probably 15 to 20 people if you counted everybody. Um, and, uh, they got a great, great group of people out there. Just fantastic.
0: Yeah. So like I said, I, I kind of go back and forth, back and forth because I would like to have the experience of doing the class. And I would like, like for all the kind of the reasons that we've sort of talked about, you know, that you, you're going to get such a better understanding mm-hmm. and such a better working knowledge of this is, this is not only how the gun works, but this is why it works and this is why it works this way. And this is why you need to do maybe do, you know, a, b, and c. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. Um,
1: like well, I said, that's, I, I that's a decision go, you have to make. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you're the one that's toying with that now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, oh, but anyway, uh, we're kind of going around and around. But anyway, getting back to that SIG, that's probably going to be one of the ones that I'm going to need to sell. Ah, uh, And like I said, I like the gun and everything. And it is, when you compare it to maybe like a stock AK, it is much more ergonomically designed. It's modeled off the... Um, like the old five fifties yeah. that the Swiss guys run. Now, -hmm. of course it's not, that gun is not made to the quality that those, those Swiss rifles were. Right. Um, And that was one, there was two, basically two generations of that rifle. Um, The gen one, they, and again, I'm baffled with how some of these gun companies are run uh, at the higher, at the high end, I guess. Um, you look at a lot of the nonsense that Remington is doing oh, and you Jesus. look at a lot of the nonsense that Sig went through. And when they went with that rifle, I don't, uh, again, even the name of it, why would you call it a five, five, six R? <laughs> why wouldn't you call it a seven, you know, a seven, six, two. Yeah. Uh, you know, that makes no sense. And they, and so anyway, the, the first gen, they had a, a soft aluminum in, uh, insert or latch you know on the ak mags again for those that don't know there's basically in the what you would call the front of the mag so the 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 front flat of the mag there's an indent and then on the back like tim had mentioned earlier there's a tab there's a metal tab or or depending on the mag can be a plastic one but in the of course in the all metal magazines those are all metal and the gun goes up and that front indent kind of rides on a uh for lack of a better term, we'll say a shelf, and when you rock that magazine back in, uh, that tab goes in and, and locks in and catches. Yep. And of course, on the in the Sig, they had made that out uh, that area basically out of aluminum, and it made it to where if you used your steel mags it just ate that because the, the steel is harder yeah. than the aluminum. So it just <laughs> ate it away. And so they were saying, well, you can't use, don't use steel mags in there. And of course this was supposed to be something that would give you an alternative to the AK. So a guy that maybe had an AK and wanted to buy something that was a little bit more ergonomic. It had a, a side folding stock. Um, it still had a charging handle on, on the right side of the weapon. Uh and again it was you know it was a, it was a, a a neat gun but they went through a lot of teething problems and quality control problems and then they fixed a lot of those things there were things with like spring weights and and uh, certain things to where they were even saying don't run steel ammo in it in the first gen well then why would you even
1: <laughs> you can't find anything but steel ammo
0: yeah I mean unless you're gonna buy um <laughs> who is it that makes it uh or they used to um I think it was Winchester yeah. You could, you could actually get the brass. Really? That. Yeah. Uh, wow. But it was so much more expensive that, and so anyway, they, they they solved all the problems with the Gen 2 stuff. I got it. It ran every mag that I had. It ran the Hungarian mags. I had a couple of um, failures to feed Yeah. the very first time I ran them, but they were brand new mags, first thing I'd ever run them in. Uh. So I think maybe that might've just been a little bit of teething problems with the mag ran a few other mags through it then ran those Hungarians back through it flawless no problem yeah. um, but i know uh, again i know that the quality of that rifle dynamics rifle is gonna is is going be so much better oh yeah it than is. that sig um, now and you could use optics you know it was easier to use optics and stuff like that um, uh, but of course at the time when the AK was designed that really wasn't necessarily an option they came up with some uh oh i've got the wrong what's the term i'm trying to think of uh like a bracket for lack of a better term that sort of goes up over the desk cover so an optic at the time could be mounted and it mounted on the side
1: yeah you don't you don't you won't have that on these receivers
0: Yeah. yeah and um that was another thing too about that that 702 or 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 some of the other stuff is it's got that uh, Picatinny rail uh, forward of the rear sight.
1: Yeah. That's that Ultimac rail. You you can buy those for about, about a hundred bucks at Ultimac.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, you can use optics with it. My eyes aren't getting any better. Um, Yeah.
1: I'm in the same boat as you are. I'm, I'm still able to use red dots, but, uh, you know, it's a challenge using the, the, the actual, um, fixed sights that they have on the weapon. Um, but yeah, you can, as long as you can get a red dot on it, you're fine.
0: Yeah. So, um, Oh, I don't know if you, I wear glasses and, or, and or contacts depending on what I'm going to wear. But, uh, one of the things that I did to kind of, um, and what I do, I look like an idiot when I'm doing it, but (laughs) I, I went and talked to my optometrist about it and I said, well, you know, should I try and do this grind? Should I do this? You know, my next pair of glasses, or I, I was going to actually get a, a dedicated pair of shooting glasses that had my regular prescription, and then instead of you know how on a bifocal it's got the lens that's down at the bottom, right, right, or the or the, uh, the different for reading, um, and you can get, I think they call it a machinist grind or an occupational grind. Uh-huh. Where they make it for guys that are kind of looking up at machines all day and doing this and they can look up and they've got on the top portion is where that uh, bifocal grind is so that you can read it. Oh okay. And so you know when you when you're trying to get a sight picture, especially on a on a pistol, I can't see the, the, the sights are blurred out. I can't see them anymore. Oh really? Um, I, I mean I can kind of see them. And I can I can still see like on the Glock, I can still see the dot and put it in the little bucket, you know, drop it in the U. Yeah. Um, but I do not and 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 cannot get a crisp front sight picture. Right. Um, it's sort of it's sort of fuzzy. And then so when I go to the range, I went and bought a pair of reading glasses and I the way I did it was I went to Walmart, picked up a Nerf gun, and then took the Nerf gun up to the <laughs> the counter where they've yep. got all the reading glasses. And then I popped those over my glasses so that I could hold the gun out. And I picked one that was about the same, would give me about the same, you know, sight radius. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. Now I'm seeing it crisp again. And so I got those. And so when I go to the range, I'll take those reading glasses and kind of drop them down over the top of mine <laughs> so that I can see the front sight. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to have to get some different kind of glasses or something like that to help. Oh, well, well, you know, able to I mean, see. that's,
1: problem is is you know now that we're i'm not quite that bad yet but when you when when you get that bad you're almost looking at you know getting the rails cut for an rmr or something that's basically what you're looking at yeah i mean
0: i can with my glasses off like i said i can see it and it's blurry so i i can read if i take my regular prescription glasses off i can read everything and see it just fine on the the real fine print though is, is starting to fade away for me
2: Yep. Um, but
0: for the most part, I can still see, uh, and, and read things, but, um, I hear you, it, but it's definitely going to be, a kind of a game changer. And I'm one that's funny kind of talking about the sites a little bit. I always kind of liked the way the AK sites were for me. Uh, I, I, on, on the AK that I had, they were just like the, you know, the standard sites that you're going to get and have, uh, but I liked them and I thought that I could actually kind of, um. Uh, there's a, what what I call there's an open range where there's no safety officers it's just sort of out there and so you can move with a gun you can fire you can do all sorts yeah. of stuff and so i found that with that ak that when i was walking and moving i could kind of keep that sight picture a little bit better than i could with like the standard ar sights and with the ar sights i don't i i'm 100 100% optic on those i don't even worried about the iron sights on that not uh, to that
1: yeah, the the uh, especially Jim's AKs, they got a, the rear side He opens up that U notch a little bit, so it's easier to get your sight picture too. Yeah, kind of nice.
0: Yeah, and then uh, oh, well, probably one more thing about the class, and then we can, well, maybe kind of draw it to a close because I've kind of kept you captive here for about an hour and a half. <laughs> um, with the ammo and with the mags, does he encourage you to bring do you you need to buy like X amount of ammo as well? Or do they provide you to No, no, what's provided,
1: what's provided with the class is you get one mag. And when you go out to the range to do your quote unquote burn in, uh, they give you three little bags of 30 rounds each. So basically you've got one bag to, to just unload, uh in order to burn the rifle in make sure it's functioning properly and then your second two uh you can kind of play with but what do you try what you want to do first what they have you do first is at least get it, in, it into about a look like about a one to two inch square on a on a target uh at 25 yards so okay. they'll get you sighted in at 25 yards or at least on paper when you go to your own range and you can tighten it up there, but once you're sighted in, uh, you can either t- you can take the rest of that ammo, which is usually somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 50 rounds, and you can either shoot it out of your rifle, um, you know, on the other side of the range, or you can actually load it into the uh, load it into a uh, automatic weapon mm,
0: okay. and
1: go to town with that. And then he's also got more rounds there for I think it was about. Um, What was it? Ten dollars per thirty. Yeah. So you'd buy another bag loaded in. You can go to town with however many automatic weapons you wanted to. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then at noon we stopped.
0: Okay. So noon on on uh, was that on Sunday? Is that when the yeah noon on Sunday
1: we stopped went back to the went back you know take a look at our you know where we've worn it and. Uh, smooth out the rails and everything else to make it work, put some lithium grease on it. And man, it's, it's just smooth as glass. That, that, that action is really nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One thing with mine, which I probably need to do and and get in there and sand it up a little bit. But when you pull the bolt back, like if I pull the bolt all the way back and I slowly let it ride up, it'll stick, it'll stick. And it'll, yeah. it'll just sit there, and then you can you can kind of like whack. You can hit the gun yep. on the receiver, and that'll jar it just enough. And it'll shoot. It'll shoot yeah, itself home.
1: What that is is the uh, the hammer. Um, when when you pull your bolt, when you pull the bolt carrier back, the mm-hmm. bolt engages the hammer and throws it back down onto the disconnector. And uh, the thing is, is it it doesn't hold it really below the the level of the bolt so it's still got a little spring action in okay. it so when you pull the bolt beyond that the the ha- the hammer comes up and when you ride it forward the hammer the hammer will you, that's why the hammer's got kind of a of a circular shape on the top of it yeah yeah it, it'll ride back down to let the bolt pass and then it'll strip off around and into the gun but it'll stay down but what you can do to take care of that is turn over your bolt and where it makes contact with the hand or sand that down fine and then put a little lithium grease on it. And the next time you do that, once you pull it back, it should you'll feel it resist, but it should ride right over it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll give that I'll give that a shot. I'll give that yeah. a try.
1: Do not then <laughs> Jim said you know we used to we used to um, file down the hammers a little bit to try to stop that but we found out from the manufacturers that the that the steel is only hard so deep
0: yeah okay yeah that makes sense
1: so we don't want to file down a whole lot of that hammer and get to the soft steel so we just leave it alone now
0: yeah and maybe just like do uh for lack of a better word like a little polish on it or something
1: yeah you could you could buff it up a little bit yeah. and, but i said you throw the lithium grease on that buff you could you could polish that hammer a little bit polish the underneath of the bolt and that thing should just glide right over it
0: okay all right well i tell you what i'll let you go and okay. uh thanks for coming on the show and answering some questions um no problem. and uh so again thanks tim for being on the show and We'll, uh, I guess we'll draw it to a close for right now.
1: All right, I appreciate it, Tony.
0: Well, hey again, it's me. So this is the part where I talked about before that I was going to go ahead and put in the interview that Tim had done with Jim. So here we go.
1: I'm Tim with Firearms Cafe, and I'm here with uh, Jim Fuller from Rifle Dynamics. Hello, Uh, folks. (laughs) Um, I've just gone, uh, a class of about 22 of us have just gone through an AK rifle builder course where we spend uh, three days building either an uh, AK-74 or an AK-47. Most of the time, your choice. I know Jim has some problems getting some parts sometimes for 74s, but... um, I wanted to get a little information from Jim for uh, the the listening audience. Um, what, who is your class targeted for?
2: Um, I would say a lot of the people that attend our class, it's it's actually targeted towards guys who or want to build their own guns, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also tar- targeted towards uh, you know professional armorers, professional gunsmiths, because we have them all that come in here. We have guys that come into the class because they plan on getting into the business and mm-hmm. they want get, to get some in- information to start mm-hmm. with. Uh, we have people that come in that are armorers already working in the industry, that just have never had any education with the AK. And then we also get a, a group of people that uh, just want to do it because they see it as, a, as an affordable way to build their own gun. And learn as much as they can about it, and that's the bulk of what we see. The guys who just really want to know the gun so well that if they come in, they'll spend the money just so they can build it and know it from from nuts and bolts all the way from the beginning to the end. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah I, I can see that. And and uh, what struck me most was, and, and I think the listening audience is is going to be wondering about this. A lot of them can see, basically, how to build a YouTube off of the you know the YouTube University. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we talked a little bit about this, but I kind of wanted to pick your brain. I know you mentioned a little in class about, you know, what are the common mistakes you see on YouTube University that these, these guys are making with AKs?
2: Well, they, you know, it, it it's a little difficult because uh, one thing is a lot of the stuff is, it, a lot of the times they're they're guessing, you know, to be honest. There, there used to be a lot of problems with people wanting to do screw bills. That's pretty much been debunked now. It's not a good way to do it. You know, I mean, five to ten years ago when people started this craze, started coming around, people were looking for all kinds of ways to do it, to not have to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And they were doing the best thing they could to try to find a way to do it, and they would get something built. And due to the design of the AK, it may work, mm-hmm. even built wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's because that's, that's because of the design, not the way it was built. Right. Eventually something will fail, and people... People that are kind of hobbyists, shall we say, will you know, be together to gun in their garage in some way, and they may ever shoot more than hundred rounds through it, and they think they did a perfectly mm-hmm. good job. But the reality is, they never shot it enough to break it. Right. You know, just mainly, and that's because the design is so good; it'll mm-hmm. take a lot of crap, even built wrong, before it gives up. Yeah. So that's that's what you see the most. I mean. You know, we put a lot of videos out. Most of them are free. If you search it, you can find them on how to look for a decent gun, the stuff to look for. Um, our Armors DVD is out there, and it has all the tips in for this stuff. But, you know, I, I don't like to bag on the guys on YouTube because they're trying to do stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and they're trying to help other people. They mean well. They're just not always right. And, uh, you know, I can sit here and nitpick the hell out of them, yeah. you know. But once I was a guy building guns in my garage back in the 80s that didn't know anything about it. You know? And right. I had to destroy a few things before I figured it out too. I'm just being honest, man.
1: <laughs> what do you say to the folks that think, you know, that's that's a lot of money to spend for this course?
2: Well, actually it's not if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Because you know the course costs well, what'd you just pay? 20, $1,900. hundred. Nineteen hundred you yeah. paid, okay. I, I forget what cost what, what yeah, the price what what on. It was on. But the reality is the gun you built, we it's sell great. for for about twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. So if you take that out. You just paid seven hundred dollars to take a three day course. Right. Where else do you get three days of training for seven hundred dollars? I've never done that. Yeah, it, it it it's that's not the case. Now some people say, well, that gun's not really worth twelve hundred bucks. Well, yes, it is if you know what's in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not a Wasser. It's not a six hundred dollar budget gun. It's a really it's a real AK built to right. the proper spec right. with the right, right materials and the right tooling. Right. You know. Well, how many?
1: I noticed that the somebody told me was talking to the class that your January class is already full. Mm-hmm. Um. How many classes do you normally offer a year?
2: Uh, we've been doing about five or six on the average. Uh, we were doing more in the beginning because we were doing a lot of on the road right. classes, but that's changed now. ATF kind of stepped in and you know got their nose in and decided it was a uh, well, you know, you know how yeah, ATF was. I, I, I explained that to you guys, but yeah. we're still doing them. It's just they just made it a lot harder to do it now. You know, so we we most of our classes we're going to be doing here in the sh- here at home from now on, and it's a better class for the student anyhow right. because we have much more we have better resources in our own home, no right. doubt. You know. Right.
1: Well, how many, uh, as far as your firearms you make here, I, I know that uh, you don't make any baseline AKs per se. I don't know if you offer that line. I've never really seen well, it. Well, we were doing the RDM
2: for a while. Yeah. And uh, we're going to go back to doing a basic AKM, AK-74. Yeah, they're they're in the works, and we're, we're, we're pricing that stuff out now to figure it out. So we wanted to, the RDM was a big seller because what we wanted to do, you know, obviously our guns are expensive. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of labor, and there's a lot yeah. of stuff that goes into them. So we wanted to get something on the market that was, you know, the, the budget guns are made by cutting corners somewhere. We don't cut corners on quality or yeah. labor, so we remove a few features that are in the gun. So like the RDM was popular, because it didn't have some of the features that our regular production guns right. did, but it still had a folding stock, still a good quality AK, right. and it was the 1650 price range, I believe. Right. But so that was still too expensive for some yeah. people. So um, that gun has sold well, and we'll probably still offer it again. We pulled it off the website right now, just because we're gonna offer, uh, like I said, a more straight plain Jane AKM AK seventy four, really? Um, yeah, uh, and and that stuff will be coming out soon. You'll see it on the website cool. soon. Uh, at, at a at a, at a less, at a lesser cost, of course, because you don't have the folding stock on it. Uh, we may offer it as parkerized only instead of molly to save right. that money too. Right. Um, because basically, that's the only way you can get the gun cheaper is to take something away from it. Yeah. And I'm not going to take the labor away from it because right. labor is what makes our gun what it is. You know, so all I can do is take away a convenient feature like a folding stock. Right. A lot of people folding stocks are for storage. They're not a tactical use for the gun, mm-hmm. so if if it's going to be your bedroom gun, right? If it's going to be your truck gun that you take and throw in the trunk of your car, you don't need a folding stock, right? You know, so you can save two hundred fifty bucks right there, just right. you know, just the cost of the stock itself and then the labor to put it in and everything else, right? So um, it's 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 how you save without sacrificing the quality of the build, absolutely. You know, and and you talked about your
1: labor, and I know that some you know you talked about in the class that. If you want a gun if you want a gun by Christmas, you're not gonna get it at this point. No, no. It takes you how long to put your with the labor you do and the attention you put into it and the love and everything else. Depending on
2: the model, the guns have anywhere from twenty to thirty-five hours of labor in each mm-hmm. one. You know, and uh, that's on, on a standard. Sometimes it's more. And again, right. that's depending on the model. Some are right. like the crank models and the smaller models are a lot more involved in that. The suppressor tuned models are obviously a lot more involved in that. There's a good five or six hours of labor more on that just for the suppressor tuning. And uh, but uh, that's all legit stuff that we do, right? And a lot of the stuff we do, people don't even know needs to be done. Right. So that's why they don't understand why it costs so much. But that's why when you buy one of my guns, your grandkids will be shooting it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so. And you told us next year if we want a gun by Christmas, we need to order
2: it in June, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so. maybe a little later than that. Right now, we're really we're we're backed up about five months. Right now, yeah. And, you know, okay. So. All right. Well,
1: listen, I'm not going to take out much more of your time. I just wanted to get in. Uh, you know, most of the questions I wanted to get was for the viewing or for the listening audience. Sure, sure. Uh, for informational purposes on your class, but I do appreciate your
2: time. Oh, no problem and, at all. Uh,
1: uh, I know uh, Tony. Tony's going to be looking
2: at trying to get into this class pretty soon. And hey, just tell him to get in touch with us. We'll yeah, take here. we'll do. We'll
1: do. All right. Yeah. Thanks, all right. Jim.
2: Thank you, man. It's a pleasure having you in the class, appreciate Jim. Appreciate it. All right. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, that is going to wrap up the show for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, again, thanks to Tim for, for uh, sharing his experience with me. Also, thanks to Jim Fuller for agreeing to uh, do the interview and also agreeing to, to allow me to use the audio for the show. So I appreciate that. Um, I think, like I said, we're going to go ahead and draw the show to a close. I uh, hope you guys learned something. hope you enjoyed it, and I will talk to you guys next time.